Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joe Milmine and this is episode 94, Global Hypercolour. The Indie Bear Yarn Crawl is Edinburgh's official yarn crawl and it will be taking place in Edinburgh, Scotland on the 11th of June 2016 between 10am and 6pm. Get involved my friends. For more details, click the banner in the show notes or go to www.gingertwiststudio.com forward slash indie hyphen burr hyphen yarn hyphen crawl. Hello and welcome to the show. A warm welcome to returning listeners as you come in for another fun episode with me again. Thank you. And if you're a new listener this time, hello and welcome. I hope you will enjoy what you find here. It's going to be a little bit of a random one today, um, which I would like to to think is is a fairly regular occurrence, if I'm honest. Um, But definitely love to have some new people listening to the show and joining in with the nitty fun. Today I have for you a little bit of news and an enablers corner as well as a bit more chat about alpaca. We started our alpaca month or rather series, mini series uh, rather than a month of alpaca focused content and the aim of that is to get you thinking about maybe using alpaca as a fibre, as an alternative to wool. And it was requested by one of the listeners in the listener survey that I did last September. They enjoyed the mohair focus and learning more about mohair as a fibre and wanted some alpaca love. So that's exactly what I'm going to be doing over the next few episodes. Today we're going to be talking about how to look after your alpaca garments basically. And then I have some random chat inspired by the upcoming podcast break. I was racking my brains trying to think of a name for this episode. If it's an interview one, names come quite easily as you can imagine. And the other ones can be a little bit tricky at times. Because you don't want to be too kind of far out there and have things that don't make sense. But equally, you know, it's nice to have quite a random name for an episode as that's usually for you guys an indicator of how far off piste we're going to go during the show. I'm in a bit of a holiday mood today. I'm not actually, disappointingly, going on holiday, but the podcast will be having a little holiday for the next couple of weeks so that I can regroup and plan for the next part of the year. With that in mind, this is the last episode until the 7th of June. But I'll be back after that with lots of news, all fresh and exciting for you going forward. And also for those who find it difficult to keep up with the weekly schedule of the podcast, the little holiday gives you a chance to catch up on your listening if you would like to as well. So as I'm in a bit of a holiday mood, as I said, I ended up calling this episode Global Hypercolour. And we'll do a little bit of chatting about where that comes from towards the end, you know, end on a 
kind of funny high note to take off with ye for the next couple of weeks. So you know the drill by now my friends, grab yourself an alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage of your choice, get your feet up, get your knitting out and we will crack on with the show. News then, the first bit of which we've already covered when I talked briefly before about the podcast break. The only other thing I have for you is the New Media Europe Awards are currently open for voting. This show is in the running for Best UK Podcast. We are currently number 14 in that list. The top 10 go through to the final. And also for audience appreciation, where I'm sure you will appreciate hearing that we are number one at the moment. That is your award. You are the most engaged audience uh, in Europe. So, as I said last time, if you want to keep your award, and I think you should, I think you should, because I think you deserve it. I have the best audience in the world, and I'm fully aware of that. Then you need to pop over to Facebook and vote. Also, Ravelry is number two at the moment in the 2016 Community Award. So the knitters are doing pretty well. I will put, again, a link in the show notes for you to follow to get to that. It's dead simple. You just It's a poll on Facebook. You follow the link. You scroll down to the show. You select the show and crack on from there, basically. It will record your entry on Facebook. So I will put that link in the show notes and some instructions for you so you don't have to watch the video because there is a video at the beginning, you don't need to watch that. And you can show your support for the show if you would like to. It would be nice to be in the top 10 for Best UK Podcast and we're not actually that far away. And if everyone who voted for Audience Appreciation voted for Best UK Podcast as well, then we would be in the top 10. So give them both a click and obviously... I'm fully committed to helping you get your award back uh, for audience appreciation this year. The voting for that is open from the 9th to the 29th of May. There will be no more shows after this to remind you, so make sure you get over there and do it right away before you forget. There will be a voting period in the weeks after that, and that's all going to be on Twitter for the top 10 in each category. I will bring you more on that when I come back from the holiday. Enablers Corner this week then. I love a bit of enabling. This week I am enabling you to the Indiebury Yarn Crawl. Now the Indiebury Yarn Crawl is the show sponsor this week. However, even if they weren't the show sponsor this week, I would still be enabling you to this fantastic event. I have been. I was there last year and it was great fun. I absolutely loved it. Thoroughly enjoyed visiting all the yarn shops. Really, really enjoyed chatting to lovely listeners like Ford and Jules and Hannah and loads of the other, Denise, Denise as well. Lots and lots of lovely listeners who were there who are either Scottish... Oh, James. I forgot James. Hello, James. Um, are Scottish, Scotland-based, or had indeed travelled in from other areas to be a part of this event. It is an event in Edinburgh, in central Edinburgh, and it is a yarn crawl. It's free to enter, if you will. There's no charge for the actual crawl itself. 
and it involves three of Edinburgh's finest Viani emporiums. Edinburgh is blessed with a lot of Viani goodness and a really vibrant knitting scene and three of, of the best shops I think around at the moment in terms of what you can get your little greasy mitts on. I don't recommend going into these shops with actual greasy mitts but you know let, let's go with the the mental image if you will. I went last year and it was a two-day event last year this year it's back to a one-day event which I think is probably a great idea because I spent most of the Sunday last time uh, knitting in the pub which is no bad thing it's never a bad thing um, but I think having a nice tight event in one day is really suits this particular uh, setup. So the yarn shops that are taking part are Ginger Twist Studio. You have met Gin uh, Ginger, Jess, before on the podcast. I interviewed her way, way back in episode 30-odd, I think it was. It was quite a long time ago. I went to her studio in Edinburgh with the trains rattling past and was overcome by vinegar fumes as she was dyeing yarn at the time of talking to me. That is based on London Road. It's a beautiful little shop and it is little. It's bijou, a bijou shop. So if there's any more than about five people, then you kind of have to wait outside. But she has lots of lovely yarn. She has her own range of yarn called Ginger's Hand Dyed, which is exclusive to her shop. You'll have heard that particular yarn brand being used all over everywhere. She does some really, really nice colourways. She's also dyed for me at the Golden Skein twice now because she does such beautiful colours. She also has a great range of commercial yarns and a lot of Cascade as well. And each month she has a designer of the month and a yarn of the month to bring in some different yarns into what, you know, is a very kind of small space. So in order to keep that freshness going, she brings in a, a focus every month of a yarn and a designer, which I think is a really great idea. It is a really fun little shop to go in. It's a very, you know, lively vibe. Jess is a vivacious individual um, at the best of times. When there aren't that many people around, when there are, she's positively fizzing. She's great fun, really good fun, lovely girl. So definitely pop into her shop. Then there is also Cathy's, which is on, on Broughton Street, also in the centre of town. Cathy's is downstairs in a, in a little cellar. It's a little cellar sort of uh, yarn shop. It's quite common in Edinburgh to have these lower ground floor buildings and have shops and restaurants and bars in them. And Cathy's is down, down the stairs in, in one of these. She specialises in British wool and has a huge range of British yarns available. Lots of things from your sort of hand dyed ranges all the way through to commercial stuff. She has a lot of uh, Rennies and um, Jemisons and all kind of the sort of Scottish brands that you would expect as well. And she carries a really good selection of books. She also has, if you need to take the weight off your feet, couches in there to sit down and she has a range of knitting inspired jewellery too which I admire every time I go in. That last year she hosted a trunk show from 
Athena Afia in the back room because it's sort of one of those shops you go in and it's a bit of a Aladdin's cave and you go in and think oh this is the, the main room this is it and actually there's about five other rooms around the back so that added something new and a bit different there as well. Be Inspired Fibres is in Marchmont and that is run by May. That is a shop that I love going to and I don't get to that often or not as often as I get to Ginger Twist and Kathy's because they're really easily walkable from Waverley whereas you can walk to Marchmont but you, you generally get a bus just to save the time and I always like going there because every time I go there's something different that I haven't seen anywhere else so she has a good range of all the sort of general commercial yarn. She has a lot of really interesting Asian yarns uh, from China, uh, Lotus yarns, and she has, um, I want to say ITO, ITO. Last time I went, they had a paper yarn with, with metal in it. There are some metallic carry-along yarns that she carries as well. I think she has Habu as well as that. There's just a load of really different stuff in there, and she has a great selection of Japanese knitting books, which it's not something you gen generally tend to find that widely spread elsewhere. Last year I particularly was attracted to some Latvian Fair Isle mitten kits that she had that I hadn't seen anywhere else and I thought were a really cool idea for knitters for gifts. So they're the three shops that are going to be taking part. There are links to all of their online shops in the show notes because I appreciate some of you won't be able to go. And I'm not sure yet. I've, I've looked up the trains and there's a train at half seven from Wigan and there's one coming back at about half six. And with my rail card, it's going to be £10.90 each way at the moment. I'm kind of tempted just to buy the ticket and hope for the best. But um, I would definitely love to go. This year they have the added advantage of a pop-up marketplace, which is going to be in the cellar of the safari lounge if you went last year it's where louise and i did our measure up for make it fit and this year it's going to have some local vendors and i will be telling you the names of those later but if there is any way you could possibly get basically to edinburgh on the 11th of june you should totally do it you won't regret it it's great fun they're gonna have loads of discounts and raffle prizes and excitement and there's an after party at the safari lounge which does amazing food great beers they stock windswept beers which is a brewery in northern scotland that's owned by friends of my husband i recommend the tornado over the typhoon in case you are there and it's a really great vibe to the pub it's a fantastic place to go and knit we had the greatest fun last year so that is me in a very very strong way enabling you to the Indibri yarn crawl which is taking place on the 11th of June 2016 links in the show notes alpaca then I'm still a considerable way short of the alpacapedia then I would like to be but quite a few of you have come and posted in the group about your alpaca yarns or some good resources regarding alpacas and how people are incorporating them into the kind of livestock farming and there's loads of stuff going on in there so thank you to everyone who has done that. This week I thought I would talk very briefly about washing and caring for your alpaca garments 
I think caring for fibres is something that can put people off trying them. Maybe not so much for us knitters because we don't we don't really care. Once we've spent hours and hours and hours making something, we're quite happy to spend lots of time washing and caring for it with great attention as opposed to those people who who don't have great attention and I will touch back upon that in a little while. So we had a quick overview last week of alpaca as a fibre and the kind of pros and cons and a general familiarisation. This week I'm I'm skipping straight to bocking and, and washing because I think sometimes that is one of the deciding factors for why you tend to go for certain kinds of yarn perhaps for certain projects. If you want something that's really quick and easy to wash and look after, you may choose a superwash yarn. Alpaca doesn't come in superwash. Not as far as I know anyway. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that. But there are different properties that you get from different fibres and quite often one of the, the, the reasons you choose one is because of how easy it is to care for. If you're gifting it to someone who has a baby, for instance, it's going to want to be easy to wash and dry and fairly bulletproof. So I thought I would talk about this first before we go into other subjects around this I'm quite excited about after the holidays. So I did a bit of research because I just tend to treat everything the same and I tend to, if it's handmade, it gets washed by hand. If it's machine made, then uh, most of the time you can wash it by machine with a careful wool wash cycle, which I have on my washing machine. And I probably don't use as often as I should because I'd still tend to hand wash things. So as you probably already know, hand washing is the best thing you can do for your knits. If you want to prolong the life of them and keep the colours nice and vibrant, then it's best done in cool water with mild detergents. Now for alpaca, you're going to want to use either a fine fibres detergent, very mild, for your kind of silks and cashmeres, or baby shampoo apparently. I have used baby shampoo for wool in a pinch, but I've never washed alpaca in anything other than sort of soak or specialist wool washes. Now alpaca does felt. Ask me how I know this. Imagine, imagine someone had hand-knitted a sample garment for you to have your child photographed in for their knitwear collection and the dyer would actually knit this by hand and you'd taken pictures of the child in the knitwear on the beat so it's full of sand and you carefully wash it and hand wash it and sort it all out and it's fine. Imagine the little tyke puts it on again, daddy decides to do the washing, scoops up the alpaca, baby alpaca jumper and puts it in the washer. Yes, he really did that. No, I didn't divorce him. Perilously close. Perilously close. And then I had to obviously go and tell the person who had then gifted it as, you know, kind of part payment I paid the other half in chocolate for for her modelling skills that my feckless husband had indeed shrunk the alpaca jumper on probably the fourth wear and and a totally, totally unnecessary wash. Totally unnecessary, not bitter, unlike the Murphys. So it does felt, be aware of that. If you put it in the washer, it's going to felt. 
because it's it's not super wash treated if you hand wash it you've got to be super careful so don't agitate it unlike my husband does to me um or scrub your alpaca knitwear treat it the same as you do your wools you know get it in in the hand wash in the soak and give it gentle squeezing and that will do the job to get it clean because alpaca does uh, resist staining better than wool as well so quite often you can dab most of you know any spotting or anything off it before you wash it anyway don't change the water temperature when you're washing your alpaca because that will encourage felting as well and as i say gentle squeezing to sort of mix the water around is all that you really need to do once you come into drying it pop that baby out of the sink and between towels the same way that you would do with your knitwear, put it between two towels, roll it up, stand on it, get the excess out and then lay it flat to dry. It does take longer to dry than wool and um, you might want to flip it over if it's a garment, dry the top half and then flip it over but it does take a good at least 24 hours to dry. Definitely don't use any chlorine bleach or woolite to wash your alpaca because it will damage the fibres. Now once it's all sort of clean and dry, you can steam press it if you like, although you shouldn't really need to. If there are any creases in there and you hold it up in a, in a steamy bathroom, they will drop out anyway. And you're ready to go basically, you're off with your alpaca. When it comes to storing it then, you need to make sure that the item in question is completely dry. Don't forget when you wear things, when you wear wool, when you wear alpaca, they do absorb moisture from you. So make sure that they are definitely fully dry before you then put them away. Ideally wash them beforehand because any pests are attracted to body kind of oils and any sort of dirt that's on there will attract pests. If that's a problem where you live, then definitely make sure it's clean, fully cleaned beforehand. If possible, you can store it in a cedar chest, which is naturally repellent to insects. Or if you don't have one of those, because not everyone you know, has cedar chests to store things in, then you can put some cedar blocks in there as well or dried and or dried lavender. The lavender will repel the moths, the lovely moths, from your nice knitwear because everyone knows the moths like the most expensive thing that's in your wardrobe. Don't store it in plastic bags if you can help it because if there is any moisture in there from when you've had it on and it gets jiggled about, then that can actually make it felt depending on where, where the agitation or the rubbing friction is. So just be aware of that. It's not meant to be that good for knitwear not to be able to breathe. The same goes for your stash, actually. If you store it in really airtight boxes, it can meddle with the natural sort of humidity because they're airtight and it can affect your yarns and your knitwear. So just be aware of that when you come to store things. It's, if there's another way for you to store it that isn't totally airtight, but obviously doesn't let beasties get in, if you something like a wooden chest where it can actually absorb any excess moisture is, is perfect really. And basically, 
fold it without a crease down the middle so you can when you put come to put it on you won't have a big crease down the middle and you're away that's all i've got in terms of washing blocking and storage if you have any good ideas about that or anything that you find particularly works then do pop over to the group on Ravelry or you can send me a message on social and tell me your experience of looking after your alpaca and what you find to be the best products and ways of cleaning and storing it. So next we have Global Hypercolor. The smash hit of a yarn crawl is happening again in Edinburgh this year. Mark your diaries for the 11th of June 2016. If I didn't convince you in Enablers Corner, I'm just going to come and double tap you again to remind you that the Edinburgh yarn crawl is taking place between 10 and 6 on the 11th of June. It's the official annual yarn crawl of Edinburgh and you can get your yarn passport from participating wool shops which is Ginger Twist Studio, Be Inspired Fibres and Kathy's Knits and get it validated at each shop on your journey through the city on the 11th of June. There'll be a secret selection of goodies and discounts available at each shop for all participants. Just flash your passport, get your stamps. Do you accept the challenge? Afterwards, make your way to the Safari Lounge, which is at 21 Cadzo Place, EH75SN, where there'll be a pop-up marketplace downstairs in the downstairs room full of goodies from top local makers between half 12 and 6. For more information, click on the banner in the show notes or go to www.gingertwiststudios.com. And last, but by no means least, the bit of random chat, Global Hypercolor. Who remembers Global Hypercolor? I remember Global Hypercolor. I remember wanting a Global Hypercolor t-shirt for absolutely ages and finally being allowed to have one for my holidays to Canada to visit my relatives. And it must have been sometime in 1991 that this happened. We were, for some reason, we were always like the late kind of majority when it came to trends. Everyone else seemed to have the stuff before we did. And most of my mates already had Global Hypercolor t-shirts by the time I actually finally got one. And I remember the first one in the street and all of us kind of had our hands on this other child trying to make handprints on their shirt. For those of you who are not familiar with Global Hypercolor, it was a brand that was developed by a company called Genera and its main heyday, and it was a very short-lived heyday, was in 1991. They basic premise was that they were colour changing t-shirts, heat sensitive colour changing t-shirts. Although they did have other products available, the mainstay was was the t-shirt. And between three, in the three months between February and May 1991, Genera made 50 million dollars in sales of global hypercolour products. The t-shirts were produced by dyeing them first with a permanent dye and then over-dyeing them with a thermochromatic dye, which is how you got your kind of change in colour by heat thing. Now, they were really, really cool, but, you know, fabric care not being 
the highest of priorities in the early 90s. After a few washes, or if you had a little bit of a careless high heat wash in particular in the washer, then they would sort of become the colour of, of mixed plasticine, sort of like a muddy, lilac-y brown. Now, this company did very well, obviously 50 million in sales in three months, 50 million dollars in sales. However, it was very short-lived and the company went bankrupt a year later in 1992. Afterwards, when interviewed, one of the execs said the problem was they made too much product available in too short a period of time. And basically, by limiting distribution of a product, you can extend the life of it. And they went for volume and basically ended up with loads of t-shirts they couldn't sell and going bust, which was a little bit sad, obviously. Now, you'll be very pleased to hear that I went to Ravelry to go and see if there were any global hypercolor related t-shirts. However, Ravelry has failed me. There are no global hypercolor related t-shirts. And I think you could totally do it. I mean, imagine this. It's probably a four-ply jumper or t-shirt and you'd have to sort of intarsia the the warm patches in on, on this garment, I'd imagine, because I don't know of anyone that is doing colour-changing, heat-sensitive yarn at the moment. So you would have to do it by fudging it and, and making it a design feature and, and probably use intarsia to do so. I would... Suggest that we don't go for the armpit colour change because it's just a bit minging. But we could do other things. You could have some handprints, for instance. And then we could fair isle global hypercolour, like the logo, across the chest. I mean, I can't think of anyone that hasn't done this already. You know, it's quality, kitschy pattern fodder there. I hope someone does do it. If someone wants to take this idea and make it into a pattern, you can have it for free. It would make me very, very happy. So I obviously haven't given too much thought to how this is going to translate to knitting, but it would be quite fun to have a knitting yarn that maybe a hand dyer could make it where it did change colour if you put your hands on it. That'd be quite cool. Although by the end of knitting it, you might have worn the dye off. Mind you, we are 25 years down the line. Maybe thermochromatic dyes are a little bit more hard wearing these days. Who knows? Who knows? There's a whole avenue there. There's... A massive gap in the market for, for this kind of thing. So, having established that there are no knitting patterns for global hypercolour products or any kind of kitschy or amigurumi version thereof, I then turn my attentions to the internet to try and find an alternative for you because sometimes when people put ideas about very kitschy 1990s products in your head, you simply have to have them. And I know how that feels, so I've done the legwork for you. Truffleshuffle.com, one of my favourite t-shirt companies, does a, basically a rehacked version of Global Hypercolour, which is called something very close to Global Hypercolour. It's Global Thermocolour or something like that, in the style of the originals. So it's not 100% original, it's, it's, a, it's a rework, but if you have to have your Global Hypercolour ripoff product... That, that's the place to go. 20 quid, job done. Uh, in, in five different colour combinations, no less. So, yeah, I think it probably is going to be 
in the new series a return of, of the retro perfume review and some other random stuff i feel like we need more kitsch and nostalgia in the podcast i think it'd be quite good fun to have that um, because i'm massively nostalgic and i love talking about do you remember when's so plenty of fodder there for you i'll try to make them global obviously but sometimes you know they will just be uk based things because i don't in the 1990s we were still sending airmail in the early 90s certainly in the little blue envelopes we definitely weren't interneting or any of that kind of stuff so there you go there's global hypercolor all inspired by basically a podcast holiday and my first global hypercolor t-shirt when i was going on holiday to canada with my bum bag i had a bum bag as well i'm not even sorry so that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please do get in touch with any feedback. And if you have any uh, good resources on Alpaca in particular, I'd be delighted to hear from you. In the meantime, I hope you will have a great couple of weeks. Happy crafting. And I'll speak to you all again soon. Bye. listening to the shiny bees podcast a podcast for those who like their knitting comedy and yarn in equally large measures if you'd like to get in contact with me you can do so via the blog or i'm shiny bees on ravelry instagram twitter pinterest and facebook you can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com music for this episode is provided by a music alley and it is adam and the water boys and i need a drink i need a drink